Uh, we've been in this uh, long journey through 1 Corinthians. It started way back in March, and we've taken a couple of breaks as we've been going through. And last week, Matthew was here, and he, he jumped into 1 Corinthians 7. I've heard, I haven't had an opportunity to listen to it, but I've heard that Matthew did a great job, and so I'm looking forward to listening to his message. But uh, I'm going to pull us back into chapter 6 again, because I've been hanging out in chapter 6 and talking about a, a bunch of stuff around 6 to get us prepped to actually dive into some of the things on, on chapter 6. And, in, uh, and I just want to take a couple minutes kind of to review some of the foundational things that we talked about over the last few weeks that, that I was helping to prepare us as we dive into chapter 6. And part of this uh, foundational stuff is understanding that um, we, we have a worldview, and different people have different worldviews, and uh, this is uh, a, this is some foundational stuff that we grab from the Bible that will help us understand as we talk about um, pornea, which is the Greek word for sexual immorality. The first foundational piece that we talked about a few weeks ago, just just as a reminder, is that God created our sexuality. We are image bearers, and it's important as we talk about immorality and sexual immorality that um, when we look at sexuality, that this is a gift from God. And when we talk about sexuality and when we honor God through our sexuality is really, uh, it's, it's honoring and bringing reverence to the Creator. One of the things that we talked about when we talked about God created our sexuality is that we looked at the creation story because what God creates is good and the Hebrew word uh, there is tov. And, and tov has, uh, for many rabbis, has a definition similar to this, that tov is something that, when, that is, um, something is tov or something is good when it has within it the potential of life embedded by God. In other words, when God creates something, He creates it with life embedded into it. And not only life embedded into it, but seeds of life for even future life. And when we look at creation, we see that in all that God created. So even within our human sexuality, with our sexuality, God, what God created, it's embedded with His life. The other foundational piece for us is understanding that God's love doesn't mean he ignores our sin. He saves us from it. Uh, there's a bit a change in our culture and even to certain extents in the church today where it, it's like you, you can do whatever. And as we'll see later on when we push into 1 Corinthians 6 even more, that that has been a part of human nature even back in the early church, that there's this picture of, hey, God's grace, God's love. You, you can do whatever. Sin is not sin. We, we don't need to change. God's grace accepts us right where we are and loves us right where we are. And there's truth to that. God's grace and his love it does accept us right where we are. But what we notice even from, and we talked about this uh, a few weeks ago, is that any interaction that Jesus has with a person, 
He not only loves them right where they are, he calls them to a new way of life. He calls them to something more. And so a foundational piece for us is understanding that God does love us right where we are, but he doesn't ignore our sin. He calls us to a life separate from sin. He saves us from sin. He saves us from sin and death. In fact, Paul in Colossians 3 talks about putting to death, and he lists a whole bunch of things, sexual immorality, impurity, evil desires, coveting, greed, wrath, slander. Put, put that stuff to death. Then clothe yourself in compassion and kindness and gentleness and forgiveness and love. So God doesn't, doesn't ignore our sin. He calls us to a life outside of our sin. The third foundational thing that we talked about is that Jesus is Lord. He, he is our Savior, yes, and He is our friend, yes, but let's not forget this aspect of that God is Lord, meaning that if you and I are a part of the kingdom of God, we must submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ because Jesus is the King of Kings. It is the kingdom of God is his kingdom. In fact, in Luke chapter 6, Jesus says this, Why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? So, to understand that Jesus is Lord is then to understand that I need to do what he says. Another foundational piece for us is understanding that we are made for covenant relationships. Covenant relationships are binding agreements. We talked about this. And part of the idea behind a binding agreement is that they're never to be broken. That what, um, that, that's what they're made for. And that how, that's how God created us to live in these covenant relationships. The, the first covenant relationship is our relationship with God through Jesus Christ. That's a, that's a binding agreement. Now, we, we talked about that covenant relationship is all about what God has done. We, we are just the recipient. It's God coming towards us. There's another covenant relationship that we are to live in, and that is the covenant relationship with other believers. We are called the body of Christ, and Jesus in his prayer in John 17 talks about his desire for unity amongst the body. And even in the beginning of 1 Corinthians, when we began talking about uh, going through 1 Corinthians, what did Paul hit in the first couple of chapters? It was all about unity. Every week we talked about unity, unity, unity. We are meant to be in harmonious, unified relationships with other believers. Covenant relationships that aren't to be broken. A third covenant relationship that we are in, or, or some of us are in, or can be in, is the covenant relationship between a man and a woman. And we went and looked at the story of the creation of Eve. And remember, we, there's a Hebrew writing technique called the chiasm that we looked at when we looked at. And often in Genesis, there's lots of chiasms there. And what a chiasm is, is that the structure of the story is A, B, C, D, C, B, A. Meaning the two A's at the beginning and the end of the story are similar. And so are the two B's and so are the two C's. 
Both of them are pointing to the center, and the center for Hebrew writers is really the point. And the point in the, in the creation of Eve's story, what the focus is in that story is the rib. God taking the rib out of Adam and creating Eve. And so there is this picture of the relationship between a man and a woman is a relationship that is a covenant relationship. God took the feminine out of man and created Eve. And so when they come back together in covenant relationship, the masculine and the feminine come back together. We talked about Ezra Konegdo, helper fit for him. And the picture is of a woman and a man standing face to face. That's what the relationship is supposed to be between a husband and a wife. It's face to face, not side by side, not back to back, not one in front of the other. It's face to face. We all are created for these covenant relationships. The last thing that we talked about just two weeks ago is the question was asked, what voice will we listen to? Or the voice of desire. Bertrand Russell, who is a philosopher, writer from the early 1900s, talks about four main um, desires that drives humanity. One is greed. We <laughs> desire to possess as much as we can, whatever it may be, that we as humans really are never satisfied. Our desires are always driving us. The other desire that he talks about is rivalry, the desire to be better than somebody else. We, we want to be the best, better than. And then there is the desire of narcissism or vanity. And we looked at social media. And what is social media? Social media is narcissism. It's vanity at its best. Look at me. Look at me. Listen to me. Look at me. And then there's the other desire, and that's the love of power. We all desire to want to be in control. In fact, when we taste some control, we want more control. These desires impact us in our daily life. They're, they're, they're really what drive us to a certain extent. And what separates us from animals, we as humans, is animals have these desires or these instincts and they just do them. And, you know, I mentioned last time because everybody's deer hunting or going deer hunting uh, that a buck in the rut is the dumbest thing in the world. Because the desire is what is driving them. And that is the image that for some of us in humanity, we, this inner desire so drives us, it causes us to do things that are not wise or not smart. But what separates us as humanity is that we can listen to a voice outside of ourselves that helps us discipline and direct those desires that are within us. So instead of greed and wanting as much as possible, we discipline that with generosity. And we look for ways to give. Or instead of rivalry, wanting to be better than some, uh, somebody else, we strive to help somebody else be the best that they can be. Or rather than look at me, look at me, look at me, we go, hey, look at this person. We 
put the other person first. Or instead of a love of power and I want to be in control and using that for our own purposes, we maybe use that love of power to come underneath somebody and lift them up and help them uh, and use our position of power and authority to help others. So the question was, um, do we listen just to that desire within us or... Do we listen to the voice of God who is there to help direct those desires and discipline those desires? For the most part, these are some of the foundational things that Paul talks about in his writings. And we see even in the Gospels, kind of the worldview that God created our sexuality. It is good that God's love doesn't mean he ignores our sin, but he saves us from it, that Jesus is Lord, that we're made for covenant relationships, and that we are listening to the voice of God and allowing that to direct us over and above our desires. So with that in the background, I want us to read again 1 Corinthians 6, 12 through 20. The words will be up on the screen, otherwise you can... Open up your Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and read along. Paul says, I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. You say food for the stomach and stomach for food, and God will destroy them both. The body, however, is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. By his power, God raised the Lord from the dead, and he will raise us also. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? Never. Do you not know that he who unites himself with, with a prostitute is one with her in body? For it is said, the two will become one flesh. But whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. Flee from sexual morality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. You see, Paul is, this letter, Paul is tackling some different issues that are going on in the church of Corinth. And this issue that he happens to be dealing with is prostitution. You see, in Corinth, uh, there was well over a thousand temple prostitutes and it was normal and legal for the men in that community to go to prostitutes. So it, let's remember way back when when we were introducing this series we talked about the city of Corinth and it's a harbor city and it happens to be on this thin strip of land. There's the mainland and then there is this giant kind of like island with except for this little strip of about eight miles wide that connects the two and Corinth was right on this eight mile little divide and it was easier for those who were shipping merchandise via boats to either take when they came into Corinth 
Either they take the stuff out of the boats, put it in wagons, and haul it across the mile, a miles, or they even developed a system where they would just take the boats and get the boats right on carts and haul them right across and then get to the other side and put them into the sea on the other side and continue on. It was easier and less dangerous to do that than try to go all the way around this giant island because as they got to the south, the winds were pretty bad and, and that kind of stuff. So here you have Corinth, very diverse, very wealthy, and it's a harbor city. And so even things like you think of sailors, and what do sailors do when they come in from the sea from a long time? They go and they celebrate and they party because they're back around, and so prostitution was uh, very much a lucrative business. For the men of Corinth, um, prostitution was just a normal thing. For those who became followers of Jesus, that was one of the things that didn't change in them. The desire and the will to want to continue to go to prostitution because it was the norm in the culture continued to happen. And so Paul is like, has to address this issue. They grew up in a society where sex outside the covenant relationship of marriage was really the norm. So as Paul proclaimed the good news of Jesus Christ when he was in Corinth, um, he maybe dealt with some of these issues, but some of that dealing didn't stick because as we know Corinth or Paul moves on to another city and he preaches the gospel somewhere else. And so he's got some pastors and elders who are leading there. In verse 7 of chapter 6, which we didn't read, Paul says, Do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? And so Paul addresses some of those things there in, in the early part of chapter 6. He, he talks about sexual immorality and idolaters and adulterers and greedy people and slanderers and swindlers. Um, and Paul says this, this is what you were. So before you became a follower of Jesus, you, this is what you were. You were sexually immoral. You were an idolater. You were greedy. You were a slander. Those inner desires that we talked about, they ruled your life. But now, because of Jesus, you have been washed. You have been sanctified in the name of Jesus. And now, you are no longer an idolater a slanderer and greedy. That's not the way you're made anymore because you are a new person. And this is part of what we talked about in chapter 5. Leaven infecting the whole lump of dough. So Paul in the church, Paul saying, we have to remove this stuff. Otherwise, it impacts the whole dough. And why do we need to remove that stuff? Well, back in chapter 5, Paul says, because... The body of Christ, all of us together, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And where the Holy Spirit dwells, that's a place that needs to be set apart. In other words, don't do it just because it's wrong. Don't do it because the Spirit of God is with you. 
where the Spirit of God is, there is no greed. There is no idolatry. There is no slander. There is no swindling. There is no sexual immorality. Well, the church had an argument, of course. Verse 12, the church says, I have the right to do anything. Does this sound familiar? I mean, this is why, for, for me, sure, the Bible's 2,000 years old, and sure, it's old, and all that kind of stuff, but humanity really hasn't changed. We may know more information than they did back 2,000 years ago, but when it comes to wisdom and common sense, we're no different. I have the right to do anything. In fact, we hear, have been hearing that a lot over the last few weeks. And I hit this a couple weeks, a couple months ago. Western culture, it's about my rights and about my freedom. Eastern culture is about the community. It's about others. The kingdom of God is about Others, Western culture is about rights and freedom. So this argument is no different than ours. In verse 13, um, Paul responds, or another argument that they have is, my body and food will all be gone when Christ comes again. They, they had this deal. It was about their spirit and about their soul and that the, what they do with their physical body doesn't matter. So it's my body. It's my food. Who cares? And so Paul has to deal with that. My rights. I can do whatever I want. My body, my food, it doesn't matter. So these are kind of the main issues that Paul is dealing with in the backdrop of a society where prostitution and sexual immorality are the norm. Paul's response, um, six times in chapter 6, he begins with, do you not know? And we're going to look at four of them. Verse 15, Paul says, do you not know? that your bodies are members of Christ himself. Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? Never. This fits with Paul's teaching elsewhere, where in Galatians 2.20, he says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me, and the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the God who loves me and called himself uh, and called me to him so that in the flesh I live by faith. Um, do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? 2 Corinthians 5.17, I'm a new creation, the old is gone. Colossians 3.3, 3, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. It is there. Once we become a follower of Jesus... It is no longer just our own. Our bodies are not our own. They are a part of Christ. 
the lives we live now in this flesh are in tune with, are in combined with Jesus Christ. So since, since your bodies are members with Christ, don't join them with a prostitute. It's that simple. Verse 16, Paul says, Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body? For it is said the two will become one flesh. The word unites in some translations is joined. The Greek there is kolaho, and that means to glue together, to cement, to join or fasten firmly, to cleave. Get that picture. Do you not know that he who glues himself, cements himself with a prostitute, is one with her in body? Paul emphasizes it by quoting a part of Genesis 2-4 where Paul, or where uh, the Hebrew writer says, man shall leave his father and mother and kalaho or uh, cleave or join together, hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. This brings us to one of our foundational pieces. We are made for covenant relationship. Then the covenant relationship between a man and woman is one that is glued together. Remember, a covenant is not meant to be broken. A covenant relationship is glued together when a man knows his wife. And we talked about Adam knowing Eve and the depth of knowledge is a depth of intimacy that is not known in any other relationship. And that is seen by uh, the sexual intimacy between a man and a woman. Remember what Adam said about Eve. She is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. Remember the uniting together. In today's culture, along with the culture in Corinth, sex is a casual passing event. It is seen more as a place of pleasure. In fact, in our culture today, many people have sex before they even get to know a person somewhat intimately. Verse 18 come these words from Paul that part of it is hard to understand. And Paul says this, flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against, sins against their own body. So we are to flee sexual immorality, pornea. The Greek pornea means any kind of sexual activity that is outside the covenant relationship of marriage between a man and woman. Earlier, where uh, Paul talks about prostitution or joining with a prostitute, the Greek word there is porne, which is where we get, where pornea comes out of, but porne means prostitution. So Paul, early on, is addressing the issue in Corinth of Porne or prostitution. 
got to stop it. But then here he gets to verse 18 and he says, flee from sexual immorality, pornea, any kind of sexual immorality, any kind of sex outside of the covenant relationship between a man and woman. And then he says, whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. What does Paul mean by that? I mean, it's a, it's a hard thing to try and grasp. But as I was doing some study and research on this, um, here's some thoughts that other commentators have mentioned in so you have this picture of kaleo, which is gluing together. And this is our picture today of the relationship between a man and a woman. This is really supposed to be Terry and I. Me tall, Terry short. But this is the picture of a covenant relationship between a man and a woman. This is what happens when you commit together in a covenant relationship and then you uh, come together and know each other in a sexually intimate way. You are bonded together. You are now one piece. This is just one piece now. It was two, but now it's one. So, here's what's happened. This is no longer Terry and I. Wow, I'm having a hard time. But this is what happens when divorce comes into the picture. Steve Peterson glued this for me. This illustration just might not work. So what happens is, and it's a little hard to see, but there are pieces of wood from this that are stuck here. And there are holes in this piece because there are pieces of wood that are stuck here. And so when anything that is united together, glued together, is parted, you leave part of you with that person, and likewise that person leaves part of themselves with you. That's why divorce is so hard on people. What we don't realize, though, is when two people come together sexually, there becomes a gluing between the two of them. I don't understand it. I'm not sure how it happens. I don't have any, any way of saying this is the solid research. It's, it's like trying to understand the Trinity. We, it's, it's impossible to fully grasp the Trinity. It's hard to understand the mystery of the relationship between Jesus Christ and the church. It's hard to understand the mystery of the relationship between Jesus Christ and you as an individual. So too, it's hard to understand what happens sexually between a man and a woman when they come together. There's a gluing that happens that we can't fully fathom, but it happens. And when that separation happens, it creates a, a thing where you're leaving a part of you with them and they're leaving a part of them with you. 
You can do this illustration with name tags. Glue, come together, and then when you pull them apart, you see you have that. Now what happens is when you go and you try and you have sex with multiple persons, what happens is the glue begins to be less sticky. This is partly why people who have been very sexually active with multiple partners, when they eventually step into a covenant relationship with another person, they have a hard time sticking. It's because they've been sticking to other people. Just last week, I heard an interview by um, one of the band members from the Sex Pistols. Those of you who are my age, you remember they were a punk band um, from the 70s and 80s. Oh. And this guy admitted that he was a sex addict. And I know this is an extreme, but these are his words. Now when he has a sex with a woman, as soon as he's done, he has to leave. He can't stand being with that person anymore. That's an extreme. Again, I don't grasp how this fully works, but again, there is a gluing that happens between a man and a woman when they have sexual relationships. So the pain of pornea it's not that sex is bad. Remember, sex is good. It was created by God. Is that when sex is used for something other than what God designed it for, it can cause pain. This is what I think Paul is talking about when he says, pornea or sexual immorality is a sin that is against your own body. Paul's last do you not know is found in verse 19. He says this, <clears throat> Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. Paul wraps up this part of his letter reminding the church in Corinth and us that our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> we are set apart. We are to be holy. Again, it's less about the negative, sin is bad, and it's more about we are in a relationship with the Holy God, and we have been given the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit resides in us, so we should function or have our desires be channeled towards what brings glory and honor to God and not what is for our own desire, for our own selfish desire. In verse 20, Paul says, you were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Fleeing sexual immorality is not about keeping you from experiencing some pleasure via sex. It's about bringing glory and honor to God 
about understanding that God has designed our human sexuality and it's really, really good. Now in closing, there are many of you here that are going, oh crap, I really screwed this up. Whether it's divorce, whether it's having had multiple partners, whatever it may be. And you're wondering, I have no hope. Mm. We have hope. The hope is in Jesus Christ. The hope is in the fact that when Jesus came, Jesus came proclaiming good news to the poor, binding up the brokenhearted, setting the captives free, bringing healing to those of us who are human and have made mistakes in the past. You see what, what Jesus does when we surrender to him? He gets out his wood chisel. Wow, I'm having a hard time today. And he starts chiseling off the pieces from the other person that you've been connected to. And those holes of part of you having been, he fills them. He makes you new. He makes you new so that when you do decide to step into a right relationship with somebody, you can be glued to them completely. That is part of the hope and the forgiveness and the wonder and the mystery of Jesus Christ. Some of you may be in marriage relationships right now and maybe you're struggling. Um, there's hope. Maybe it's because of past indiscretions, whatever it may be. There's hope, there's forgiveness, there's newness. Our prayer ministers will be up here after the service. If, if God is stirring something in you, there's something that you need to let go of, there's some wound that you need healing for, come, let them pray with you. This message is not you bad. This message is God is awesome. And again, there's wholeness and forgiveness. And you are a new creation. All the past has been wiped clean. Walk in the fullness and the wholeness that comes through Jesus Christ. Amen.